Hey, what up? It's podcast guy. We're back at it again here in the second line studio. Legal Gambling Council Championship Week, Week 16. We are in just an absolute heated race here. After uh, last week, uh, I believe Nick's Jinx is just basically running uh, rampant right now on uh, on me the last three weeks. Uh, Austin and I are now tied atop first place um, with cancellations and whatnot. Uh, I have fewer losses than Austin, um, but we are both tied at 24 wins apiece. And then Ben and Nick fighting tooth and nail, uh, 19 and 19 overall apiece. Uh, I'm your host, Zach Barry. Uh, joining me, Austin Gray, Nicholas Carr. Ben is not with us, but he has given us his locks. So never fear. We will have 12 for you. But gentlemen, welcome in. Good to be here. It's hardware. What up, Zach? Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, speaking of, Ole Miss going to get some more hardware this weekend, right? Mm. Excellent point, Nicholas. Uh, the, Magnolia, the Magnolia Bowl. Um, to be played in Baton Rouge, 2.30 local time. Uh Nick, uh, Central Standard Time. How do you like that? Uh, so, yeah, big game for Ole Miss. Uh, look, it's uh, – I think we had talked about this earlier today with uh, the news coming out. Um, Elijah Moore and Kenny Aboa will not be playing. They have opted out to get ready for the NFL draft. Uh, I, uh, I think I speak for everyone here. Uh, go get paid. Do not care one bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, if I was Yaboa and I had the opportunity, I would do my best to play. I don't know if he's hurt or banged up or what. It's possible. But I, I would go up. out and say, you know, coach, throw me the ball 30 times. But, you know, it's been a long season, man. And I, I've told you this, guys, this a number of times. Teams are going to opt out of the bowls like crazy because a lot of these guys have been away from their family since, like, July. I, I just – I mean – and part of the the fun of the bowl is like going and having the eating contests and you have like a bowling night and it's just like stuff around town, but you're not getting any of that. You, if you know, if you go to Nashville, they're going to go send them in a, a hotel room for two or three days and then go play a football game. So it's just like an extra regular season game. I'm sure a lot of teams will do it, but I can, I can totally understand wanting out because you know, this is dragged on and on and on. And I, I just can't imagine it's it's all that fun anymore. You know, I don't know if they're still getting swabbed or what, but just everything is just, you know, the same thing every day. You're the only people left on campus. So I get it. I, I really do. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely understand it. I, I'm not mad about it at all. I selfishly wanted them to play because I think we're a better team when they play, obviously. But as Nick said, this season has been one for the ages and those kids having to go get tested every day and try to be responsible, more responsible than their peers. In some cases, more responsible than their parents, than their friends and family um, to go play what amounts to, in many cases, meaningless football games. You know, it's a lot to ask for kids for unpaid labor to go out and do that. So um, best of luck to both of those dudes. Uh, again, selfishly, I wish they were going, but I think we'll be fine without them, and I uh, can't wait to see what the future holds for both of them. Yeah, I, you know, the only thing selfishly, I was wanting Elijah to keep playing to just keep breaking records. Uh, I wanted to see what he could do with one more game, possibly two more games. But look, not going to knock him at all. Um, I did see Mel Kuyper gave him a first round grade today, which is wild. Did not think he was a first round type talent, and that's not a knock on Elijah. I just. He's he's limited with 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 the frame 
Um, and you know, it takes a, a certain GM, a certain team, a certain coach to, to draft a guy that's, that's not bigger than he is in the first round, but definitely, uh, first round talent. I don't think anybody's denying that, but yeah, Yaboa, I wasn't too shocked there. Um, he is a little banged up, but then also he had already declared for the senior bowl. So he was going to be leaving. So I don't fault him at all. He's probably going to want to try to get as healthy as he can before he heads down to mobile to get in front of all those scouts to, uh, try to put on a, a show. But, uh, yeah, best of luck to both of them. Do not care one bit. Um, this game is not nearly as important as their job interview that they have coming up, uh, next, uh, what is that? April? Yeah. Right? Yeah, it normally is April. Yeah. Yeah, who the fuck knows. Um but yeah, good for them. Um wish them both the best of luck and you know, looking forward to watching them on Sunday. Um I've been saying it for months now. I pray that the Titans will somehow be able to get Elijah Moore and to just punt Adam Humphreys into the sun because he was <laughs> terrible. Um all right. Nick, the keys. I have hurled them at your face. You have caught them. Let's uh, crank up the van and let's get going championship week. All right. Uh, not a lot of SEC games. We'll just start off. Uh, <laughs> I, I know I know one game that we're going to lock up later on. So, And Ben's not with us, but he's already, I guess, staked a claim on this one. But we'll, we'll start off with te- Texas A&M goes to Tennessee. It kind of seems like a lot of points for a team that doesn't really blow teams out. Uh, though Tennessee could have given up Texas A&M minus 14. Uh, maybe 13 and a half if you, if you look hard enough and the over unders 51 and a half. Yeah. I, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head there, Nick. I, A&M makes a living off winning ugly. Jimbo's not going to try to blow anybody out and hell who knows. He might be trying to blow people out, but Kellamon just isn't that good. Um, they're not getting in the playoff that, that, that gives me, you know, how they're going to play it. it, it is this going to be, you know, hey, let's let's show them how wrong they are for for not putting us in the playoff because I don't think they're getting in. Are they going to try to run it up? Uh, I mean, Tennessee's not good, but they're just not completely hapless. They've got talent, uh, but I just think this is more on the on the shoulders of A and M, not really playing to uh, to win, more of playing not to lose. I, I think Tennessee covers this. I'm looking at something like a 34-23 win for A&M. Tennessee has some playmakers on offense. Eric Gray, Ty Chandler do some things for them. And then that defense is, has got some got some dudes over there. So they'll be able to to hold A&M. And then look, I mean, the opt-out thing is big. I mean, Jalen Watermeyer, is he gonna is he gonna be out there? Um, you know, what's Isaiah Spiller gonna look like against that Tennessee defense? I mean, the Vols are not good, but I think they're good enough talent wise and Pruitt's a terrible head coach, but he can coach defense. So I like the balls to cover. Yeah, we've talked repeatedly about how AM just plays at such a sluggish pace. It's hard for them to cover double digit spreads. And that applies here once again. And and now you have the added angle of probably all the motivation is gone at this point. It's sitting at number five, they do have an outside outside shot, but they would need um, both Northwestern to upset Ohio State as well as Notre Dame to beat Clemson. <laughs> I don't think either of those are likely, and I don't think Jimbo and the Aggies think that either of those are likely. So with their playoff hopes effectively dashed at this point, 
is A and M going to run out there and, and blow Tennessee out? I, I don't. I doubt it. And even if they were highly motivated, they just aren't built to do that to any team with a respectable defense. Tennessee doesn't have a great defense, but they are respectable. I don't expect Tennessee to roll over. They did just have, you know, a big win against Vandy and a little bit of momentum coming into this one. I think the number is really sharp. I'm kind of with Zach here. If you told me A and M low thirties. Tennessee 17 or 20, that feels about right. Um, I have a little interest in the total. 51 feels a touch high, assuming that both teams are just running the ball to get out of this game and end their seasons. Um, I'm not going to bet on it, but uh, I have a lot more interest in that number than I do the spread. If I've got to take the spread, I think Elaine Vols under is a lot more appealing, though. So you can get a 51 and a half. I say that because I think 31 to 20 sounds like a really decent score there. And that's yeah. 51. I I would go something like 28, 17. I don't love the Tennessee offense very much. And I think that this, this game is just one of those that you could see maybe 10 or 11 possessions out of each team, as opposed to the normal 13 or 14 that you, you see out of most teams. So I think it's going to be low scoring, you know, methodical plotting, just slow, 28-17, that the Tennessee offense is not going to do a ton because uh, that, that Texas a defense is pretty good. But I, I think it's a game that Tennessee covers. I mean, I really do. I, I, I think that they, you know, didn't play a very good Vanderbilt team last week, but they whipped them. I mean, they really did. And I do think that, you know, they're playing at home. As much as they are still playing, they, they have something to play for. So, you know, the defense will probably show up. And, and I would take that under if I was – if I was betting something, especially at, right there at 51 and a half. Um, all right, we'll go to the SEC. Uh, well, I guess we can go to the, the next best game. Uh, Mississippi State is traveling to Missouri. Is that right? No, it's a Starville. Starville, yeah. Okay, so they're hosting Missouri. Adjacent Missouri to the junction. A, that's right. That's right. So the second biggest game of the week in the SEC, Missouri at MSU. Missouri, uh, anywhere from a one to a two-point favorite, so just barely um, a, a favorite, and then over under 49 and a half. Oh, he, I mean, Nick, uh, condolences here. Uh, William Connolly, a dear friend of the program, um, SP Plus analytics expert. I don't get what the machine's churning out here. Um, big time, big time disagree. Uh, Bill's got uh, state as the against the spread pick uh, and the projected winner. I do not understand this whatsoever. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz, all jokes aside with how nerdy and stupid he is, um, the Tigers are not bad. Um, uh, I don't understand this at all. To be to be honest, I don't see how in the world he has Mississippi State winning this game. I think that. Connor Baselick is actually a pretty good quarterback. He, he's not awesome, but I think he's good enough to uh, carve up a state defense that's not that good. Larry Roundtree, the third, is still in Columbia um, and still a good running back. Um, I, I like Kiki Chisholm. Uh, he does a lot of good things. I just don't think that state's that good, and Missouri beats bad teams. Um, they've been able to do it all year. And look, I mean, 
you kind of laugh at Drinkwitz and and how dorky he is, but I mean, the Tigers are looking at a chance to go six and four, um, which is, which is huge. You know, I I think uh, everybody kind of looks at them as like the redhead stepchild and in the, in the conference and look, they've won the East already um, since joining the conference. And, you know, they're not in any shape to win the East anytime soon, but uh, I like the Tigers here and uh, I'm, I'm going outright. Um, I mean, I think, uh, uh, well, I guess not outright because they're the favorite, but yeah, I mean, I'm laying the points. It's only two and I just don't see how in the world state can get up for this. Uh, I don't, it will Rogers is okay, but I mean, he just throws a shit ton of dink and dunks and I don't know. I mean, this is Jaden Wally just going to do everything. I don't really know who else they have on offense. So I, Missouri, I, I, I would say 10 plus points. Yeah, oh, this is not a game that's going to be decided by one or two points. I don't think no. there's just not a ton of those in the SEC. I no. mean, I guess, I guess technically Missouri did beat Arkansas by two, but that would cover if you had one and a half. But mm-hmm. looking looking at Missouri's schedule outside of that early season trip to Tennessee back on October third when they lost thirty five to twelve, they have beaten every team that's outside of the top ten in, in SP plus and lost every team inside the top ten. I mean, the, the teams inside are. Florida, Bama, and Georgia, and then they've beaten everyone else. I mean, they they beat up on teams that they are equal to or better than. That's just what they do. I mean, they beat Arkansas after a game they probably should have lost there with that two-point conversion there very late in the game. They whipped South Carolina. I'm excuse me, they whipped Vanderbilt. They beat South Carolina, beat up on Kentucky. I mean, you know, they beat LSU early in the season. It's just a team that does what they need to do against teams they should do it against. And I think that this is another one of those games. I don't. I'm. I'm still kind of unsure if we're really seeing a lot of improvement out of Mississippi State, or if it was just a, you know, a factor of playing a Georgia team that's kind of checked out, an Ole Miss team that doesn't have a good defense. So I, I mean, I could be proven wrong, and MSU could come out and win. But I think that you know, news of their improvement might have been a little bit of a, you know, a mirage, I guess. Yeah, both of you uh, sort of took the words out of my mouth. It's the same thing I said last week about Mizzou when they played Georgia. Mizzou against teams with um, better talent loses and often loses, you know, badly. Mizzou against teams with comparable talent finds a way to win. And I think the same will be true for this week. We have a large enough sample size at this point, I think, to be confident in Drinkwitz's ability to get his team across the finish line against a team who has similar or lesser talent than his team does. I think that absolutely applies to Mississippi State in this spot. I don't think State's roster is particularly talented. Um, and even if they were at the beginning of the year, they've had you know major attrition and um, – even the guys that are still playing don't have anything to play for at this point. While on the other hand, Mizzou sort of has some momentum as a program generally. I don't know if signing day energy carries over to the locker room, but if it does, it stays in trouble because they uh, you know, had an awful signing day. Mizzou had a, a sneaky good one, actually. So it just mm-hmm. feels like we have one program who has a ton of momentum and energy and a lot to feel good about and another who has not much to look forward to, um, you know, a bunch of dudes who don't want to be there, who have watched the better players drop with each passing week. It's a weirdly short number. That's one thing that gives me pause here is the number itself. You know, we often say the line tells the story. If that's the case here, the line is 
is pointing to Mississippi State. I just don't see it. I think Mizzou's a better team top to bottom with virtually no home field advantage for State here. I think Mizzou wins easily, comfortably. I would have laid seven here. Um, I'm not going to bet it because it's a funky number, but lay the points with Mizzou. Maybe we'll be proven wrong. I, I just don't see it. All right. Well, uh, I guess let's jump to the uh, SEC championship game. I, <laughs> this is a game I think you're prob- probably going to get some good value on just because of, I don't know, maybe because the the betting, the betting public feels something about Florida that I don't. I, this is Alabama minus 17, and we've talked about it a number of different times, uh, over under 74 and a half. By the way. We've talked about it a number of different times. You should take Alabama first half line. I would think the first half line is probably going to be pushing 10, but under 10, and I don't – I mean, Alabama is going to be leading by 10 at halftime in this game. I don't think it's, there's any way it's closer than 10 points. So if you're getting it at 8.5 or 9 or even 9.5, I think that would be a really, really good bet. Yeah, I – Let me just say here, Zach, as a correlation, Nick, you know, depending on the number, obviously, there is a number that's too big. But uh, – if the Bama first half team total is probably going to be worth a look too. I think anything under yeah. 28 is a bet. I just, Dan Mullen just fucked this up because after last week, I don't have a ton of confidence in them holding serve here. The defense didn't look good at all against LSU and LSU's bad. Um, look, it, it's, it's quite obvious that LSU was losing that game until a cleat was thrown across the field. Uh, Look, everybody that can, that thinks Coach O is so cool because he talks with a stupid voice and, you know, sounds like he, you know, rides a fan boat to work every day. Like, no, like they, they're not good. They got lucky. Um, I mean, props to Cade York for, for drilling that field goal, but they, they were going to lose that football game. And Dan Mullen did what he always does. He coaches not to lose in big games instead of being aggressive. Um, Calling that timeout was just beyond idiotic. I I didn't understand that. I I get wanting some time on the clock. Uh, You know, if you're trying to, you know, drive back down to kick a field goal to force overtime, but I, I was, we were texting during the game and I was like, why is he not just letting them, let the clock run and get out there and try to rush a field goal attempt. I thought that that was, I, I would have just done that. I, I don't understand, you know, the people kept doing the whole like, well, man, there goes their playoff chances. Like they weren't going to the fucking playoff because they're going to get drilled by Bama in the SC championship game. They weren't beating Bama. That was their only shot to get into the playoff. Beat LSU and then somehow beat Bama. They're not going to beat Bama. Uh, 17, it's not a huge number. I want to say Florida's going to be able to keep it close and and maybe get a garbage touchdown to cover. I feel like I'm going to lean that way anyway with Kyle Pitts playing and, you know, Kadarius Tony's still out there. Um, I could easily see Bama just cruising to another SEC title and then Florida somehow managing to score late. <laughs> I'm definitely not locking this up, but I'm going to kick myself probably on Saturday, but I'm going to take the Gators to cover that. I just think that Trask will just find a way to score late 
where, you know, Bama's defense is, yeah, they've made a ton of strides since that Ole Miss game early in the year, and they've gotten better as the year's gone on. But I just think Florida and, and Trask and that offense is too good to be held down for four quarters, and they'll they'll get a garbage touchdown late to cover. I, I do want to add, by the way, this was one of Ben's locks, so we're going to go ahead and, and lock it in for Ben at Alabama minus 17. Austin, the, the line in the first half is not what you want to hear. It's 10. It's not nine and a half like I thought it might be. I still don't think that's a problem, though, because, well, first of all, if it's 10, it's a push, so you don't lose. And it's not going to be nine or 11, most likely. I, I think you're looking at in the first half, Alabama 28 or 31. I think best case scenario is, is probably – Best case is thirty-one seventeen. I mean, I, that that's still fourteen. So, like you said, Zach, you know, Bama could come back and kind of backdoor cover this thing, but I do not think they're going to be covering the line at, at halftime. I just Bama starts too fast. The offense is too good. Um, you know, Contrast didn't play last week, and I think it's probably a game if they had back, he probably does play because I don't think he was too hurt to play. I think it was one of those they thought they'd beat him, absolutely. So they just didn't. Yeah. They didn't bring out their big guns, and, and you know, it blew up in their face. But, I mean, Zach, you said it. I mean, we heard all week about, well, that hurt their playoff chances. I mean, like, no, playing Alabama at the end of the season hurt their playoff chances. Like, that yeah. that that hurt. Losing to Texas A&M in week four or whatever, that, that hurt their playoff chances. So, I, the Alabama offense is just lethal. I mean, it is – it's what Oklahoma was three or four years ago mm-hmm. when they had those those run of Heisman winners, but with better players. And that's not a knock on CeeDee Lamb or, or Hollywood Brown, but, I mean, these are elite players and elite running backs, too. I mean, Najee Harris is really good. So, you know, it's, this is a really, really tough Alabama offense. You give me 10 points in the first half. Yeah, so I think teams – tend to take on the personalities of their coaches. They tend to become a reflection of their coach. And I think that's true for this Bama team and it's true for the Florida team. And last week was the perfect illustration for what can go wrong with a Dan Mullen coached team. They were undisciplined. They were sloppy. They were in an obvious look-ahead spot, but they played like they were in a look-ahead spot. Unlike, say, a Nick Saban coach team who handles their business, is buttoned down and takes a business-like approach. Mullen's team screwed around and ended up losing the football game. And the fact that they didn't play pits, they didn't treat the game like it was a, uh, like there was even a chance of them winning. They didn't play their best player. He probably could have gone. And I think if Mullen had it to do over again, he obviously would. But I think that's just suggestive of Mullen's approach and the difference in their program currently in Bama's. Um, Now, having said that, the look ahead line prior to Florida's loss against LSU for the Bama Florida game was anywhere from 10 and a half to 13. I think you could get it below two touchdowns. And now it's crept up all the way to 17, 17 and a half. So, you know, if you want to make a contrarian case, you could say what has changed in the interim. And I think the only thing that's changed is Florida's, you know, slim, slimmest of slim playoff hopes are gone now. Um, and that's about it. But I, I, it's, if you if you want to make the case for taking the points with Florida, I think you should consider this quote today from our boy Dan Mullen. When asked about the fact that no two-loss team has been a part of the uh, four-team final since the playoff began in 2014, Dan Mullen said, quote, we'll think about that on Saturday night after we win, end quote. Ah. <laughs> so yeah. now at 17 doesn't feel like enough because Nick Saban is going to beat the shit out of Florida um, after that quote. And Mullen probably deserves it. Uh, 
here's just one more thing to, to think about. It's just an odd stat. Florida, for the whole season, you know how many rushing touchdowns they have? Four. Uh, it's probably not five. a lot. They have four. Four for the entire season. Four. Okay. Bama had six rushing touchdowns last week. Now, <laughs> I don't think the game's going to be close enough for you know the running game to matter all that much in terms of running out the clock or grinding it out. But even if Mullen were to try to play keep away and run the ball, they're just not going to be able to do it. So mm-hmm. if if this turns into a game where Florida is punting the ball and Bama is racking up possessions as they've done all season, there's no way this Florida defense stops Bama. If Bama wants to get into the 50s, they're going to get into the 50s. I don't know that you can trust Trask and company to get above 35. So, I, you know, 17 is pretty sharp. I think Saban and the Tide are going to be highly motivated. They were already going to be motivated. It's a championship game. They have the playoff on deck. They're already going to be hungry. But with Mullen's ridiculous quote today, Saban may just go all out and pour it on. Um, so I, I agree with laying the 17 with the Tide. And I, I've considered going over. I know it's a big number, but when you think Bama can get into the 50s by themselves, 74 doesn't seem all that crazy. Uh, it certainly doesn't. Um, all right, we're going to take our break. Uh, when we come back, we'll have more Championship Week picks and uh, our locks on the other side. So hang tight, and we will be right back. It's Zach again. Podcast Rebellion to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, Southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments. Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Iris in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery 
in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. We are back here on Podcast Rebellion Championship Week Legal Gambling Council Edition. All right, Nick, uh, go ahead and take us to our next contest. All right, so this would be the you know CBS two thirty kick, but it's on SEC Network this week. All right, the game of my week at least. Ole Miss, the line has not moved yet. Y'all tell me why? Because I mean, I think some some pretty big players, some pretty influential players have, have opted out at this point. Ole Miss minus anywhere from two to two and a half uh opened at lsu minus four so the lines flip pretty big that over under is sitting there <laughs> at 77 mm-hmm. uh, on a couple sports books 76 on the other ones so what wh- why is this line not moved I-, I mean elijah moore is you know he's not a quarterback i mean so you can't say he's worth four or five points but looking at what Ole Miss has offensively passed him and passed yaboa i feel like you have to take into account what's there, what's left at wide receiver and tight end, and say that there's no way Ole Miss is still a favorite, right? Well, I do wonder if some of this was priced into the line at open because there were rumors, uh, sure. Zach, you know, Nick, I think we discussed it in our group text. There were rumors even at the end of last week that uh, that Moore might opt out, that Yaboa might opt out, that Moore might actually be banged up. So, you know, if we heard about it, there's a chance that, that the books knew about it too and went ahead and baked that into this number. I think that's what I was going to say. Um, most rumors that were swirling uh, were around Saturday. Um, so I think that that uh, – 
probably went into Vegas deciding on a line. And then also you have to factor in that, you know, Ole Miss knew that they were not going to be playing. So the game plan has already been set this week. Um, they've been preparing without Elijah Moore and Kenny Eboa. And look, I mean, you, you can't really replace Elijah Moore um, with what he's done this season. Uh, he's just been tremendous. But uh, Braylon Sanders and Dontario Drummond uh, played extremely well in the Egg Bowl. They've been consistent all year long. I mean, they haven't been nearly as productive as Elijah Moore, but they've been nice complementary pieces. Uh, I think that you're going to see more of them in this offense. You're going to see a lot of Jerry Neely used in different ways. Jonathan Mingo is going to be a bigger point or a, a bigger piece, I should say, of this offense. And then look, I mean, they're going to they're going to count on a couple guys that haven't played a ton. Like I think you're going to probably see a lot more Dennis Jackson. Um, probably going to see a lot more of Henry Parrish. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do at tight end, but uh, Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy are going to have a plan. Um, they're going to have something for LSU and Bo Pelini. I mean, look, it doesn't take much to to cook up Bo Pelini this year. LSU is last in the in the conference in pass defense. They're uh, they're down in the bottom tier in rush defense. And look, I mean, this is we talked about it all year long. and doesn't get a lot of fanfare because of what Matt Corral and Elijah Moore and this and this passing offense has done um, with uh, leading the nation in yards per game. But Ole Miss leads the conference in rushing. Um, this offensive line doesn't get enough credit. They've gotten better week in, week out. Uh, and Jerry Neely and Snoop Connor have just been tremendous running the football. So um, I look for Ole Miss to be highly motivated in this game. Um, last game of the season, they're trying to end the regular season above 500. And I, it has, I don't think it has anything to do with LSU or anything to do with that or drawn. I think Lane Kevin just really wants this game. Um, I, I look for him to be incredibly focused and to be really, really driven to make a statement. Um, closed extremely well on Wednesday, early signing period. Uh, they have all the momentum in the world right now. They're one of the hottest teams in the country on the field and in recruiting. Uh, just a buzz about this program and about how they're they're finishing up this year that's, that's been just wild and crazy and, and, and they're really building something for 2021. I look for Ole Miss to, to come out and make a statement in this game. LSU's not very good. Um, who knows what they're going to do at quarterback. It, it's What's his name? D- Doug Johnson, Brad Johnson's son, whatever the fuck his name is. I, it doesn't matter. Um, Ma- Max Johnson? Sure, Max. I um, yeah, I, I don't know. We were saying this before we started. I mean, they, they don't have um, – they don't have a Leonard Fournette. They don't have a Darius Geis. They don't have like that dude that they normally have to be able to run the football and just kind of pound you. And I know that this almost defense is not good, so it doesn't take somebody like that to really pound you. Um, I, Matt Corral's been so good all year. Um, he had the one hiccup against Arkansas. Um, but outside of that, he's just been absolutely surgical. Um, I mean, outside of Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, it, it's they're the class of the SEC and the class of the country right now in terms of quarterback play. I, I think Ole Miss wins this one outright. Um, I just, how can LSU get up after, you know, this, I mean, this is just your, just by the book letdown spot. They have that huge emotional road win in Gainesville, odds stacked against them. They catch the break, they kick the field goal, they hold off the Gators. I, how are they going to be able to handle that? You've got all the off the field stuff in Baton Rouge right now with the USA Today articles swirling with how just absolute just disaster 
of how they've managed things there. Look, we make all the jokes about how, oh, it's fine because they're hokey and they, 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 they eat soup out of a giant tub with a huge spoon and all that stupid shit. Like they're just not good. And they lost a ton from last year when they won it all. And they were so, so good last year and so dominant, but Joe Burrow's not coming out of that tunnel. Joe Brady's not putting headset on. I think that Ole Miss is is poised here to win a big one on the road and close out 2020 with a bang. Yeah, I can't add much, man. That was a, a pretty thorough rundown, and I agree. Yeah, sorry, I was holding my breath no, the whole time. I was no, dude, you're, you're good. I, I agree on virtually every point. And I mean, just say this too, like Moore and Yaboa are obviously um, big losses for us, but I think we can safely assume that that Kiffin and Lebby have known about their absence for quite some time in game preparation and planning. I mean, they didn't just find out today that Elijah Moore and Yaboa are not going to play. I, I assume they've been game planning for at least a week um, without those guys. So I think you're right. We're going to see some versatile looks. We're going to see young guys play. Um, guys that haven't contributed much all year, all year are going to get an opportunity. I think we see some two-back sets involving Ely and Parrish. Um, we are not an offense that's equipped to play keep away. We're not in Iowa. We're not, you know, a big 10 grinded out type of team, but insofar as that's possible with our offense, I, I think we're going to try to run the ball some. And as you said, Zach, we, our running game is as slept on as anybody's in college football. Um, our offensive line has done a hell of a job all year as have our backs. And I don't, I mean, not to say that we're going to take the ball out of Matt Corral's hands at all. But I do think we're going to try to limit some possessions um, for LSU. And I do think we're going to put the ball in the hands of our playmakers. And with Moore and Yaboa out, our playmakers are suddenly in the backfield. So I think Ely goes off. I think Parrish, you know, gets a, a, a touchdown and, and maybe racks up, you know, 100 rushing yards, something we haven't seen out of him this year, only because he hasn't been given that opportunity. But um, I, I think Ole Miss wins outright. Now, it's creeping up to that key number of three. Um, if you want to live dangerously here, and I've strongly considered it, 76 is a big number, assuming that oh, Ole Miss plays assuming number. that Ole Miss plays the way I think we're going to play, and that LSU plays the way that they have played for the past, you know, several games. I know they put up a big number on Florida, but there's also rain and wind in the forecast for Baton Rouge on uh Saturday at two thirty. So I think it's a sloppy, muddy game. Weather may play a role here. If we're already planning on running the ball more than we have all year, I think the under is worth a look. I think the reps went out right. Probably goes under 76. I'm not going to I'm not gonna bet it just yet. But uh, that's just a really big number. Yeah. I, yeah. I was yes. going to say my, my prediction that I put out earlier today. Um, <clears throat> bear with me here. As I pull it up, um, hold on. Excellent pod here. Uh, yeah, I said 44 37. So that would, yeah, that gets you the over. Yeah, that's 81. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of points. Uh, and then LSU is going to get some just because the defense is not great. But, yeah, I mean, I like what you said about getting Parrish involved a lot because, I mean, he's a he's a guy that's gotten more and more carries as the year has gone on. I mean, that's a pretty dangerous three-headed monster back there. And then, you know, like you said, that they're going to have something ready. They knew that, you know, Elijah Moore was reportedly dealing with turf toe after the Egg Bowl. 
um, for anybody that's quick to dismiss him opting out and, you know, throwing a fit about that. Like turf toes, a legitimate bitch. Um, it's, it's not comfortable. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I have I'm not going to lock it up cause that's just my, my rule. Number one, I, I don't bet on the rebels, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel pretty comfortable, uh, just saying that the Rebs went out right here. Yeah. I also like what you said about getting up to the key number. I don't, I do not think Ole Miss is going to win a super close game. I think, I mean, uh, you know, I think Ole Miss could win a five or six point game. I don't think Ole Miss is going to win. I just, yeah, I feel like I can count on one hand how many games I recall finishing with about a one point final. And I get it. The Kentucky game this year did. But it's just – it's rare in college football with how many points there are. I do think, you know, y'all talked a lot about the running backs. And if that's the case, and if Lane Kiffin looks out there and says, okay, well, I had five weapons last week and now I have three, the point isn't to get the ball as many times as possible. The point is to slow things down and to say, I've got the better players, but I don't have as many of them, and they're taking a lot of hits. Let, let me let me, let me slow things down a little bit. I don't necessarily think he's going to ask the team to huddle or anything. But, I mean, naturally, if you're running the ball and getting five, six, seven, eight yards at a time, it does slow the game down. I think that under is a great play. I just think that that LSU team was not very good. What they did last week was extremely fluky. Uh, I've, I've heard that they're not going to have Derek Stingley back there uh, in, in the defensive backfield for them. So they're, they're missing a lot of players. We obviously know there are limitations on offense, the limitations to quarterback on offense especially. And I don't necessarily think that Ole Miss's defense is – playing any worse. I definitely think Otis Reese is a big help uh, mm-hmm. to what Ole Miss wants to do on defense. So I think it could be a little bit, not low scoring, but I think you could see this played at, uh, I don't know, an Ole Miss 38, LSU 28, you know, maybe even 38, 34, something like that, which gets you to that under. I mean, 77 is about as big a number as I've seen in the SEC. Can you guys – Recall every other number I've seen that was above eighty happened in the big. Yeah, 12. and it was up mm-hmm. at seventy eight and a half earlier today. And you you mentioned something that we didn't really touch on. That we we addressed it from Florida's perspective. But after the the win that LSU had last week, they're not. I can't imagine them getting sky high for this game. This game is going to be important for Orgeron because of our history with him. But his players don't give a shit about that. I mean, they just had the biggest win of their season last week. And now that sudden they're going to get sky high for an Ole Miss team in the rain and the weather and the wind. Last game of the season, your teammates have bailed on you throughout the year. You're playing a young quarterback. I, I Again, Orgeron may be all lathered up and ready to roll. I just don't think his team's going to care much. And real quick, an update via dark sky. Uh, the weather going to be in the 60s at kickoff. Uh, the rain is going to start around 4 p.m. Light rain. 38% chance at that point, and then around 6, the rain kicks up to about 86% chance. Um, so if Ole Miss can get out to a hot start early, and uh, I think they can, and look, if they do, there's a good chance that LSU will lie down. So, um, yeah, I, I feel good about this one. Yeah. All right, we want to move on to uh, locks. Let's do it. I'm ready to crank one out if you're ready. All right, go ahead. First one, Notre Dame, our mother, pray for us. Plus 10 and a half. Is that what I'm looking at here, Nick? 
Uh, yeah. Oh man, that's a good pick. Go ahead. Look, I, I don't get this. Yeah, ten and a half all across the okay, board. Okay, I don't get this. Look, I know Trevor Lawrence didn't play, but the offense uh, wasn't the problem last time they played. Uh, Notre Dame carved up Clemson's defense. Brent Venables was over there just chewing people out left and right. Um, Notre Dame's bona fide. Uh, they're legitimate. Uh, the, their defense is extremely good. Uh, Ian Book, I, I've been telling people that he was a legitimate quarterback. He he had a pretty decent year last year. Had some up and down spots, but he was good this year, uh, playing extremely well. I really like Colin Williams, the running back, uh, as a true freshman. He's uh, been extremely impressive this season. Notre Dame's, I think it went outright. Uh, uh, Clemson's really good, um, but uh, this isn't, this isn't a pick where it's like, well, Clemson's Clemson's not that good this year. Like, no, I think I think Notre Dame's a legitimate college football playoff team. And win or lose uh, this game, both of these teams are going to be in the playoff. If they if they aren't, then it's just fucking stupid. Um, I, I like the Irish here. I like them to cover and I like them to win outright. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I just they, they had they had their way name, with Clemson last time. Uh, is Trevor Lawrence? Well, Clemson's out if they're if Notre Dame wins, right? Yeah. With two losses to the same team. And then now, and now, just want to run it back third Yeah, time. sorry, to correct myself, both teams are in if Clemson wins. If Clemson wins this, I, right. there's no – you can't leave Notre Dame out. They finished the regular season 10-0 and in the ACC. They whipped up a, a North Carolina team that's impressive. Uh, I mean, the beatdown that, that, that Lil Fongo put on Miami last week was just impressive as hell. Um yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for correcting me there, Nick. If Clemson wins, I think they both get in. If Notre Dame wins, Clemson's out. They're just going to have to go to a, an access bowl, and uh, Dabo will say a bunch of Bible verses and how it wasn't God's will for them to get to the playoff. But, yeah, I, I like Notre Dame to cover here. Uh, that's a huge number, and I just don't get it. It's, it's honestly a little bit disrespectful for a, a, a team that beat them earlier this season. Now, now, of course, they were without Trevor Lawrence. But, I mean, are, are we willing to say that Trevor Lawrence is worth two touchdowns? Are we, are, are we over, willing to say that Trevor Lawrence is going to do better than DJ's 500 yards or whatever he put on the yeah, other day? It, yeah, exactly. Uyunglele was awesome thousand. in that game. Yeah. yeah, I just – I don't I mean I, – I do think – I actually think Clemson wins. But, I mean, 11 points is just – I feel like that's a lot. I just I don't think they're going to blow them out. I mean, this Notre Dame team has shown it's capable of kind of you know slowing things down a little bit. They're not going to get blown out, and and also they can't afford to get blown right. out. So if if they're down you know ten points late, Notre Dame they'll slow things down to ensure they lose by ten because a loss by seventeen or by twenty four or whatever that can't happen. Yeah, and look, if you watch the game the first time around, it's probably the game of the year in college football this year. Notre Dame was the better team that day. It wasn't a fluke, right? There was no like 60-yard bomb of a field goal or some weird play, a pick six or anything crazy. Notre Dame lined up and ran the ball on Clemson. Ian Book had a great game. And as we mentioned, DJ, I'm going to butcher his last name, is it Ungalele, had a really, really good and exceptional game for Clemson. And it wasn't enough. Um, So it's not like Notre Dame – faced a, a Clemson team that just had an off day and managed to eke one out. I mean, they lined up against Clemson and beat them. Now, having said that, Clemson does get a few players back on defense this week that they didn't have against Notre Dame the first time around, but I'm just not sure that it matters. Notre Dame's offensive line might be the best offensive line in the country. Nothing has changed 
um, since that first game to this game with Notre Dame's offensive approach, with their personnel, with how they're going to approach this game and, and just handle their business. I, I could not agree more. Clemson probably finds a way to eat this one out because it's tough to beat an elite team like Clemson twice in one season. But Notre Dame's not going to get blown out. They're competently coached. They have great talent this year. They are built to beat a team like Clemson. And as you said, Nick, if they're down 13 late in the game, they're going to find a way to creep in, kick a field goal, score the touchdown, and then throw it into neutral and 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 find a way to cover the game even without winning. I just this as Nick, you nailed it. This is completely disrespectful. I have no idea where this number is coming from. Um, now that usually means that all the sheep line up to be slaughtered while Vegas rakes it in, but I just don't see it. I, I'm with Zach here. Notre Dame's a play. All right. Uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw it in a lock, and I'm going to have to go against what I did last week. Last week, for some just stupid, stupid – I don't think y'all know where I'm going with this one. For some stupid reason, <laughs> I went in the over in the Army-Navy game. As I like talk about like trying to be the smartest guy in the room, and, and perhaps I'm you know outsmarting my my you know smartassness from last week. But I texted you guys before the game, and I think y'all vouched for me on this and said I made a mistake. This one's fixing to be way you under, did. and it was. It was an absolute, just I mean, perfect a picture perfect Army Navy game. You know, in front of uh, only the students up there in West Point. You know, it was a, it was an ugly day. It was a little bit of fog. It was a lot a little of rain. bit of fog. It was it was it was a lot yeah. of bit of fog. Yeah, they're it playing was in points, soup. <laughs> at points, uh, Gary Danielson, and then we're talking about how they couldn't see the players on the far side yeah. of the field. Uh, so I, I was curious as to whether or not there was a point they'd stop the game. You know, if, if they couldn't. You know, really, of course, it didn't matter. They weren't passing the ball. But I don't know the conditions. I haven't checked them in West Point. Just based on what I've seen the last couple of days up in New York, it seems to be a lot of snow. and It's probably going to be pretty chilly. I expect the field will be cleared by the weekend. But I do think it'll be cold. And it doesn't matter. These two teams, the offenses, I just, I'm, I'm so mad at myself from last week. The offenses know each other too well to give up a bunch of points. Absolutely best case scenario from a points perspective is these teams just kind of play ping pong back and forth and they get down to about the 30. Neither team's got a good field goal kicker, so they don't go for it, don't get it. The other team drives back down to the 30 and does kind of the same thing. The offenses are, are just too well known by each defense for there to be more than, than 38 points scored. So I'd go under, and if this shit went down to 28, I'd probably still go under. These teams are going to play – at best, a 17 to 10 type game. And and that might be giving them too much credit from a field goal perspective. But if you get it at 38, that's above, I guess, that, that key number there of 37. So take the under big time there. I, I liked your overplay last week, and I told you not to worry about it, even, you know, 10 minutes before kickoff. And uh, I think you're right. We probably outsmarted ourselves there. So I, I'm not going to be contrarian here. But I think insofar as a triple option offense can be dynamic, I think Air Force is probably the most dynamic of the three. So, Oh, there's no doubt. Oh, Navy's it, just terrible bad. in They're hindsight. Bad. Yeah. I mean um, – but, you know, if it's windy and cold and snowy, it, I, don't, I don't really trust Air Force to uncork the ball, you know, down the field at all. Um, so it, this is probably another academy under, and you're right. We probably should have just stuck with that last week as well. Just to finish off real quick, but 
No, they gave up 49 points to Boise. I mean, that's just ha- that happens when you face a team that's a lot better than you. But Air Force's defense has given up seven to Navy, uh, 17 to San Jose State. It's a pretty good quarterback. I mean, they're playing in the in the Mountain West Conference title game this week. No points to New Mexico and seven points to Utah State. So, I mean, they're under machine. Yep. All right, Austin. All right. I uh... – I, shockingly, I, I really couldn't believe this number when it came out, and I see a lot of love for the for the favorite, and I'm going to go with the dog. Again, I feel like this might be a trap, but I'm going to walk right into it. Give me the Iowa State Cyclones plus like five, five and a half. What am I getting? Uh, yeah, let's see. Iowa State, you're getting five and a half. That's okay. Best well, Matt Campbell is five and zero oh against the number against Oklahoma since he's been at, at Iowa State with an average cover in those games of 16 points per game. They beat them outright earlier this year mm. as seven and a half point dogs. Um, I prefer it closer to a touchdown, obviously, but I, I just think these teams are really similar, really comparable. I think Iowa state might have the coaching advantage here. Although I like mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Iowa state has a veteran quarterback. I think Oklahoma has the more talented quarterback, but give me the vet in this situation. Iowa State's defense is a little tricky. They run that three-three-five stack. I know that Oklahoma sees it pretty often, so it's not as novel to them. But it is a weird defense to prepare for. And I just saw Baylor two weeks ago slow Oklahoma down with far less talent than Iowa State's got. So give me uh, Iowa State. I think Iowa State has a chance to win outright late. But in any event, I don't think it goes beyond three, the key number of three here. I'll take over three and probably end up sweating it out. But uh, I, I just trust the Cyclones more in this spot with veterans on both sides of the ball and probably the better head coach. Mm. All right. Yeah, let's I'll, I'll go ahead and add one for uh, for Ben here, if that's OK with you guys. He's taking USC minus seven in this game. Um, if, if y'all have no objections, I don't I don't really know what to make. I mean, USC had to prepare for two different teams this week. Uh, and they didn't get told it was already a short week and they didn't get told until Monday afternoon that they were going to be facing a different team. But I don't think Oregon's very good. I mean, it, at some point, Oregon was, you know, the team who was better than Oregon State until they lost to Oregon State. And then they were better than Cal until they lost to Cal. Maybe that's just kind of who they are. I mean, yeah, I was going to say you are who you are at this point. Hey, Nick, we could give them better than seven yeah. at this point, can't we? I see a three out there. Yeah. Three. We talk about where did he get seven from? Well, I mean, I guess I kind of wanted to screw him with the three. <laughs> Still, seven. Give him seven, yeah. <laughs> no, is it, is it three no flat? Show penalty? Yeah, yeah, it's three flat. <laughs> no show penalty. Okay, all right, three's too much. <laughs> USC's covering three points. I know that for a fact. I thought seven was maybe a hair too much in a, in a, a short week for USC, but they're covering three. Just if, if nothing else, because they're at home, first of all, but also because this is for a chance to go undefeated and, you know, go to a, a New Year's Six Bowl, which I just – I think that they're not like that great of a team. USC mm-hmm. isn't, but I do think that they're good enough to go, you know, to, to beat Oregon basically at home. Uh, you know, an Oregon team that struggled to score or really to stop anyone, I guess, now all season. Oregon's not going to a New Year's Six Bowl at four and – Four and two. This is and also, happening. you got to factor in, too, and again, this may be baked into the number, 
I mean, Cristobal has had rumors swirling for a week now about mm-hmm. where he's going to be coaching next season. I can't imagine that uh, endears him in the locker room. And who knows whether he's been on Zoom interviews with uh, with Auburn for the past few days. I, number the number feels really really short at three. Uh, I'm with you, Nick. I, I think USC wins this uh, by double digits potentially. But three, that seems crazy. It almost feels like we're not aware of something. Do they have a COVID issue? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm fearful of is that USC is, you know, sitting here with Keaton Slovis is out, um, you know, and we don't know it or something. All right, Zach, you have another one? I do. Uh, I'm going to go, and I will say without without forgetting, uh, the parlay didn't hit, but shout out to – the Trojans for uh, their valiant effort last week. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, big catch uh, to to get me that dub last week. Uh, we were we were texting during that one. That one was fun to watch unfold. Um, yeah. After uh, they looked like they were dead in the water. All right, um, man, I really uh, I'm getting an ulcer already. Um, shit. All right. Under, uh, I got 66. Nick, you're gonna have to tell me if I can get anything better. Wake Forest, Florida State. Was it under in this game? All right. Um, I get 66 and a half. Okay. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take the hook. Yeah. You know, uh, the claw, I I like Clawson (laughs) and, and Wake here. And look, Florida State hasn't been, Anything close to resembling dynamic offensively this year? Um, the Knolls are just what they are at this point. They're just not good. Uh, Wake is the favorite in this game, but yeah, give me the under. I just think it'll be a weird, sloppy, stupid game. All right. Well, I was actually considering the over on that game, so I guess I'm going to go away from that. I actually have a game that I love. Uh, Minnesota is, I think they're going on the road to Camp Randall, uh, uh, in front of no fans, obviously. Uh, they're facing a Wisconsin team that has beaten absolutely no one in the last month of the season. They beat Their Michigan to start the year. That's a no one, though. Yeah, November, four, November 14th. Yeah. And they beat the crap out of them, 49 to 11. Since then, they've scored seven, six, and seven against teams such as Northwestern, Indiana, and Iowa. Now, those are teams with pretty good defenses. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, we know what Indiana has with Tom Allen. Obviously, Iowa with Kirk Ferentz is always good. And the Northwestern's, you know, that's a good defensive team, too. I mean, they're playing in the Big Ten title game this week. But still, that doesn't excuse scoring 20 points over three games. It's inexcusable in today's college football. This is a Wisconsin team that just hasn't done anything since they looked good in those first two games. And a Minnesota team that's playing a little bit better. They started off the season real slow. I think we talked about them, how bad it was. And then how much better they had gotten their last three times, their last two games out, excuse me, they beat in Purdue and then they beat Nebraska last week on the road. I don't think they're going to win outright, but I definitely think they're going to keep it within, what is it, 12 and a half? I think is what I got the number at. That's a lot of points for a Wisconsin team who's done nothing. I don't, can Wisconsin score 12 and a half points? I think that's probably a, a decent question at this point. So give me those points. I like it. Hey, and Minnesota bowed up last week and beat Nebraska, right? Down like, you know, 10 players due to COVID or something. Uh, Nebraska just continues to be a source of entertainment week in and week out. Um, All right. I was just about to lock in Louisiana Lafayette 
and uh, it appears that the Sun Belt Championship game has been canceled. Um, yeah, no way. Three minutes ago. So what? Oh my gosh! What they were playing yeah. Coastal, weren't they? That was yeah. a really good game. Huge game. Coastal undefeated Lafayette with oh, one so loss. Yeah. They're not going to try and replace whose fault uh, it is it? Looks like Coastal has some COVID issues. Mm. Oh, they're probably kissing the trophy yeah. last week. Um. All right, I'm gonna have to scramble. Zach, did you lock in your third already? No, but I can if you need me to. Yeah, I go. I'm gonna have to go back to the drawing board here. Okay, that's good because I was thinking about that one. All right. Um, just for fun, I was thinking about my boy Luke Fickle and the B E A R C A T S cats, cats, cats. Everybody keeps talking about how how salty and and how gritty Tulsa is. I feel like since he can handle them and uh and run off on the plug in that one. I'm going to go ahead and, and get weird here and shout out to, uh, to, to, to my, to my folks, uh, house divided, um, Megan and Cody Melly, um, Missouri, Mississippi state household. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to lock it in. Como mm. and the LARPin loser himself, Eli Drinkwitz. <laughs> The Tigers are going to go to Stark Vegas and lay it on Mike Leach's dumbass. I, how has no one else locked this one in? I feel like this is an easy one. I, am I getting two here, Nick? What, what's the number? I think it's down to one. Yeah, I think you can. Yeah, you can oh, get it at one. So pretty much a pick on Lock it point. in, baby. <laughs> so we'll do M I Z minus M I Z. Shout out Truman. Shout out Wright Thompson and his fedora. Like, let's go. <laughs> we, we we talk about uh, like Drinkwitz looking like a nerd, and I just I kind of forget it because like you know there's some guys that are sort of nerdy but don't like like Mike Lee. Yes, yeah, I prefer Dweeb for Drinkwitz. I, I think I think Dweeb yeah, gets closer he, to it, and he lives for up sure. to it. Every time I see a picture of him, I'm like, shoot, that is that yeah. is Eli Drinkwitz. Like, he that needs is what to brand like. Missouri pocket protectors. Like, they would kill it. Uh. Yeah, that's a, that's a good pick, Zach. Uh, Austin, have you recovered or do I need to go again? shopping, man? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. T- I've got a good one, man. If you, if I'm going to take one. I'm going to go oppo of what Zach. I thought Zach was going to take it off the board from the opposite direction. Give me Tulsa plus the two touchdowns in the hook. Oh no! Um, this is going to be a defensive struggle, man. That the totals at 45. I think when you're getting two touchdowns plus, that's just value most of the time. But I think Tulsa's more than capable of keeping this one close. And here's the deal. Cincinnati has absolutely no shot to make the playoff after the most recent rankings have come out. How dare you? You have to imagine the locker room is deflated. You have to imagine you know, there's some guys wondering what we're even playing for. Now, I think they probably take out their frustration in their bowl game, assuming they play one. So look look forward to that in terms of uh, betting on that game in the future. But this game, Tulsa's been off for a couple of weeks. They have a competent defense. They have a NFL caliber quarterback. We'll see how it shakes out for him in the future. Um, I just think it's too much. 14 and a half is a lot of points. So give me Tulsa. You liking that run and shoot? 
Yeah, Phil Gold, Montgomery. Golden Hurricane, hold yeah. the S. All right. All the ass. <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach, Ben's last game is uh, Ohio State minus 20. I don't have much to say about this game. That's I, mean, I, I think it's a, a game that Ohio State – yeah, well, we keep we keep betting on Ohio State and they keep not playing, but that's a team that needs to come out and just destroy somebody to ensure that it, just in case something happens and, and Texas a looks really good or I would say Cincinnati wins by like 70, but I don't think that – that can even get in the picture. But in case maybe, I don't know, maybe Florida wins. Something gets fluky. Ohio State probably needs to come out and look decent this week. So I, I get where he's coming from. I know with the Western team, it will probably slow things down, but they just don't have the horses to hang with Ohio State offensively. I mean, I think that's pretty fair. Um, all right, I'm going to throw in my last pick, if you guys don't mind. Uh, I'm not sure if y'all have heard of uh, the running back out of the MAC, the best player in the MAC. It's guy, a guy you're going to hear of on, on, on Saturday, excuse me, on Sundays. Leads the country, I believe, in rushing t- touchdowns with 18. Buffalo, Jared right? Patterson. The Buffalo guy. He's, that's right. UB, Buffalo, the, the State University yeah. of New York. 123 rushes, 1,025 yards, 18, 18 touchdowns. Okay? Uh, he's averaging 8.3 yards he's, a carry. He's an honorary buff boy. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. He is a buff boy. You know, in, in what do you have? Did he have eight touchdowns but, in one game earlier this year? Yeah. And then his, and then his I coach like, like didn't that. know that he was like a couple yards away from the record, didn't play him. Yeah, I mean he's been unbelievable. He's totally, totally eaten up all the yards passing. I think total yards passing this season they only have eight hundred and twenty one, mm. and and through five games, so he's absolutely just taken away the pass game from from the the Bulls. But they're thirteen and a half point favorites. I, I will say that. Lance Leopold has been kind of a name mentioned in a different, few different coaching searches. Maybe that throws them off, but it's still under the key number of 14. All, all they have to do is, is score two touchdowns, and I don't think that Ball State is the team to slow them down. I mean, they're a little bit better, but just looking through Ball State's numbers, I mean, the defense is ranked 101 defensively, not a recipe for slowing down Jared Patterson. So give me 13 and a half for, for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. This is the best board all season. I love how ecstatic you were with that. That was just with just no hesitation. All right, I'm all thinking right. about living dangerously here. Zach, are you done? I'm done, but go ahead. I do have a bonus one, but yeah, go ahead. Live live on the edge. Think right. outside the bun. Let's uh, let's go under in the Ole Miss LSU game. <laughs> 70 under 76. Love it. Uh, just as we said, trust the revs to go a little run heavy, uh, as run heavy as we can go with our offense. And uh, maybe we get a couple stops on D. Maybe LSU gets a couple stops. At 76, man, you're asking the offenses to be super efficient in a game in which one team doesn't care, and in a game in which the weather may not be perfect. So let's go under. Okay. Love it. My bonus pick, uh, lay the points with uh, the Sun Devils going against the Beavers. Um, did this get? I think did, did this it, game get canceled? God, damn it! Yes. Look it up. I mean, I mean, everywhere you look, games are getting canceled. I mean, we had the freaking Louisiana Coastal Carolina yeah, I gotta, canceled. I got a backup if it's canceled. I mean, Herm is out there proving points, though. So um, I, I, yeah. I, I think you're right here, Zach. A back a backup bonus pick if if we need it. 
you you play to win the game. It's still it's still an Oregon okay, State. Well, website. I'll just throw another one out there. I like UCLA minus seven against Stanford. If I can get anything better than that, but I don't know, man. After last week, I, I considered that one. Then I saw this DTR quote. Here's a quote for you: After the USC loss, this isn't a normal game or a normal loss. This one hurts. So that's a locker room immediately after the loss, which, again, I mean, it was pretty raw at that point. So I understand where he's coming from, but I'm a little concerned that UCLA doesn't get off the mat here for Stanford. Yeah, but it's not like David Shaw and company have an explosive offense. Um, and look, I mean, DTR and them have been great. I mean, we we talked a couple weeks ago about how they fucked me when they played Arizona State. Um, yeah. Now, the Sun Devils fumble on the one, but uh, – Chip Kelly's kind of quietly getting things going over there in Westwood, which we've talked about this and uh, I'll go ahead and say it here. I think Ole Miss fans need to cheer for Chip Kelly to get things going yep. because the Bruins job opening up would be awfully enticing to someone that we all know. And that's. You think that Lane Kiffin would go back yes. to the same town? Yes, he was because fired. I think he would go there to shove it in the Trojans' face. Yeah. It's a program that hasn't been good in a long time, but they it's in Los Angeles. He can recruit California and they just got jump man. And we know he fucking loves Jordan. Um, it is so much harder of a place to win at. I mean, like the name cachet, they used to say that, you know, LA had one pro team, and it was USC. And I don't think that UCLA can be that. Team. I mean, that's just USC was the flashy. They were the Miami, basically, of the. Yeah, I think it's know. fair to, to question basically any Pac-12 team's commitment to football outside of, say, Oregon and USC at this point. Like, as a conference, yeah. it's just not yeah. a priority right now. I think he likes California, and he would, I d- he would I go back there if, if they. Yeah, yeah, it's something to worry about for sure. I mean, I don't. I hope that he wouldn't do it. I mean, UCLA, it's just like, are they really going to steal you know, from us, especially with how much they're willing to commit? But, I mean, that's a place he likes. We know he loves you know, the beach and the coast. And now, the big, and now, the big thing here that, that sure helps that Ole Miss and can give our, our listeners uh, that they can rest easy, the new ABC deal is, uh, is, is not bad in terms of money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is quite lucrative. So... Staying in the SEC footprint, if you will, is is bodes well for Lane Kiffin's uh, pocketbook. So, um, so yeah, uh, we we had that <laughs> we had that brief scare with Auburn the other night, and uh, I think everybody can kind of relax there. Uh, it's all good. Um, all right, so we got our twelve locks. So running through them real quick: Notre Dame plus ten and a half, Wake, Florida State under sixty six and a half. Missouri minus one, Alabama minus 17, Southern Cal minus three, Ohio State minus 20, Army Air Force under 38, Minnesota plus 12 and a half, Buffalo minus 13 and a half, Iowa State plus five and a half, Tulsa plus 14 and a half, Ole Miss LSU under 77 and a half. That seems like as good a sheet as I've seen this season. Oh, by the way, Austin, uh, three and no last week. You hate to see some regression yeah. this week. Austin's last three weeks, three and zero, zero and three, three and zero. So, if there's a pattern, we'll find yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for 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 the team's sake, I, I hope not. Let's let's keep this thing going. We're still in the black, five games above uh, 
uh, above the uh, the Mendoza line, if you will. So uh, it's good. So yeah, this, uh, this week is going to tell the tale in, in terms of where we find ourselves true. in the red or black this year. Yeah, and then I guess we can get wacky with bowl games and whatnot. But uh, but Ben, uh, we we missed you, but thank you for your locks. Uh, thanks to uh, to Austin and Nick, uh, as always, and thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in. It's been a weird year. But we finally made it to uh, to championship week, so it's going to be fun. I'm excited for this weekend slate. It's going to be a, a good day of football. So, um, you guys got anything else before we uh, before we head out? No, uh, take the Alabama. I, we didn't lock it in. I should have. Take the Alabama first half <laughs> minus ten. Yeah, you really absolutely. Uh, all right. So uh, for those two over there, for Ben, wherever the hell he is, uh, this has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We are out.